The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. What's going on, y'all? This is the Cover 3 Podcast, and Danny, we're, we're, we're live, man. But everybody's kind of back in the studio, or at least two of us are are back in after some pretty crazy travel weeks we've had, and Danny's back from the draft. And, uh, got a couple comments here already in the comments section. That is awesome. Uh, see Alex and, and shot there. Free chip. Uh, actually met a uh, met met Parker yesterday in the Atlanta airport. Was coming back from a funeral, and uh, he was like, "Hey, is is Chip really? Is he really suspended?" I was like, "I mean, it, I, I can't really comment on personnel matters, man." Right. But, uh, exactly. Know. That could be an HR violation. So you don't want to do that. Did you right. know I have? Did you know? I don't know if you know this. You know, I had my first hole in one this past weekend. Dude, I, that is awesome. What what, yeah. what was the setup? Uh, so I was at a hoopy match club outside of Cobbtown, Georgia, middle of nowhere. I'm telling you, this is the most revol- remote golf course I've ever played in my life. It was sensational, phenomenal experience. But I was playing there with a massive group of guys, like a Ryder Cup style tournament. And uh, 13th hole on Friday the 13th, playing a Titleist 13 ball. Knocked it in from 192 with a five iron. Yeah, it oh, was so this cool. is a real one. 192. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. It was it was a good shot. The thing that's crazy about it, I did not realize it when I hit the ball that it was in. The caddy was like, "I think that has a chance." And I'm like, "No," but he knew the undulation of the green because it definitely like if it would have been a you know on TV camera shot, it would not have like just. I think it would have rolled up the hill come back down and went in off the uh, rebounds. It was pretty cool. I'm fired up because you know how much it pained me for the last, you know, 30, 40 years when I'm asked, Hey, do you have a hole in one? You have to say no, no, it's brutal. So finally get off the schneid and hopefully they come in bunches now fired up. Oh dude, there's a guy at at my, my golf club. Uh, He's got like seven and they're all in the same hole. It just sets up for him perfectly. He just, I, I, I've been on four when when he's dunked on three, like, yep. Like, okay, yeah, wow. <laughs> That's insane. Joe, Joe got another one. Oh, um, I, we, we, uh, so we had a, a tournament on Saturday, a little Ryder Cup style thing. It was a good time. And this year, I was a captain for the first time, and it went to sudden death. And so we had to play number four, which was the uh, number one handicap hole. It was like 465. And 
I was planning on just hitting three wood off this thing and figuring like, okay, this other guy, I'm, I'm not a great golfer. He's not a great golfer, but he nuts one. I was like, damn it. So now, now I got to pull the big stick here and, and hit it and did. And I hit it. So I, I, he was away and he dumps his five wood into, uh, into the, the short sided bunker to a tiered green. Yep. And I was like, all right, like, I'm just going to hit seven iron here. Did it good position chip up to the appropriate tier of the green. He is, I mean, he's short sided out of this green side. He of course puts it on, on, on the, the, the top shelf, uh, you know, puts down to like 14 feet. So I'm like, okay, like that's, it's not a great putt, but, <laughs> uh, and then I two putted and, and he almost dunked on me. And, really? Uh, and that's so, what I love yeah. about match play. Like the back oh. and forth, you feel like you're in a good position and the guy, you know, chips in, does something crazy, drains a 40 foot putt and all of a sudden it flips right back on you. It's the best. Love it. It, it, it really, and you could, you could reset after every hole, especially if you've been having a couple, you know, it's like, all right, mm-hmm. that, was, that was a little loose. <laughs> <laughs> Need to lock back in here. That's so, great. Oh man. Um. So Joe Klatt seemed to confirm to Andy Staples that Texas and Alabama are going to play at noon mm-hmm. uh, by saying, well, he, I think he said like, Hey, it's, it's in the name of, yeah. of, of the yeah. game show. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to do a good job promoting their show, their studio show. They're trying to compete with college game day. They've done a great job too. I think of creating a little niche for themselves with that big noon kickoff show and then putting these premium matchups in the noon window to try to, you know, build the pregame show and it was, I think it was a risky move because I think most people were like a long time. Remember, was all oh, the Big Ten. It's going to be a sleepy noon game. You know, it's kind of not the top. You're not going to see Ohio State in that noon window. It'd be, you know, one of the lower tier teams. And you think of like Iowa, Minnesota forever it was like it had, you know, ESPN2 noon kickoff forever. Now they've come out and put the best matchups at noon. And I think it's been a strategy that's worked really well. For the network side, I think the highest rated game last season from any network was the Ohio State-Michigan game, which kicked off at noon on Fox. So it's working from a TV standpoint, but what I think is really interesting is that I don't know if the fans love the noon kickoff. Like, that's the thing that I think is an interesting dynamic is that fans got to get up early. There's not as much time to tailgate. A little bit more of an issue for the fans, but the TV networks, no doubt, love it. And I think you're going to see more of these matchups put at noon as well. Exactly right. I mean, if you ever wanted a reminder that TV money is bigger and more influential than fan and booster money, it's Alabama and Texas playing at noon, mm-hmm. or in that time zone, eleven. Right? right. Like that's Local. that's not an East Coast game. Right. <laughs> both both those are Central Time Zone schools. So you know you could have an opportunity for a great tailgate. Uh, now, if you're going to have a great tailgate, you're going to set it up real early. I mean, you're you're kind of kegs and eggs in that thing. And then hopefully just leaving that thing up and, and, and continuing the, you know, the party afterwards. Uh, but Fox really has, they have something there because ESPN, the other traditional carrier of most games, like CBS has long had the 330 SEC game uh, locked up and that they obviously know people are going to flip over for that. But I mean, if you have a, a broadcast network, a traditional network, uh, and you have it all to yourself, because ESPN doesn't really put big games on the noon window. And Fox, I think, looked around, looked at that market inefficiency and said, okay. The other thing is, with that pregame show they do, I, I do think that they've been doing a better job. Like, they've been closing the gap on game day somewhat, right? Mm-hmm. And people, if you can get people to stay on your channel, that's so huge. Why does ESPN's ESPN regular game rate so much higher than their ESPN2 game in the noon slot? 
it's not necessarily because that game is so much better. In fact, sometimes they'll put a better game on ESPN2 than ESPN. It's because people leave their TVs on. And if you're already on Fox pregame, you're probably just going to watch the Fox Nooner, especially if they take and put the effort forward to put the good game on there. So I think from a business side, it makes a lot of sense. But this rolls into a poll question that you put on Twitter down. I don't know. I didn't catch the, the XM show this morning. Um, did you guys discuss it on there as well? You, you had, oh, yeah. What was the, what was the best time, the, the best kickoff time for a college football game? So we talked about it from a couple of different perspectives. One from a player's perspective and one from a fan perspective. Now, I was aligned with the fans. My co-host, Dusty Dvorak, was not. He said he loved the early kickoff, get me in, didn't want to sit around all day, get me in, get me out, game's done. Like, wake up out of bed, go to the stadium, practice, you know, get warmed up, and you roll. I didn't love getting out of bed early. Like, I always, for noon kickoffs that we did have, I was always kind of sleepy. We had to drive in from Thomasville, as you know. and That's where you guys kinda, stayed, right? Yeah, so we stayed there the night before, the uh, Friday night before the game. So you'd be driving back and kind of be back asleep. And it just felt like it took a while. I didn't drink coffee at the time. I didn't drink coffee until I was like 28. That's what I needed back then was a good swift uh, kick of caffeine. But I didn't love it. It was a little bit hotter, so it always kind of became an issue. My centers you know, like, would sweat, so you get like massive – you know, a sweaty 300-pound guy sweating all over the ball. I didn't like that aspect to it. My favorite was the 3.30 window because you didn't have to wait all day to the primetime window. You didn't have to get up so early. So you could wake up at a reasonable hour. You had some time, and yet you get to the stadium. There's a good atmosphere. And then the best part about it for me was after I was done, could still go to dinner with my family if they were in town. And then even after that, go meet out the fellas, reunite for a little celebration, have a good time that night, and it was good. The 8 o'clock game was fun from an atmosphere perspective because the stadium was going to be rocking. You know, kickoff people, just you could feel the energy build, but you had to wait in your hotel room all day. You're sitting around all day. It's very, like, antsy, and it is like you're just all this pent-up frustration. And then for me, a lot of times, by the time the game is over and you do media and you get treatment, whatever it is, it's 1 a.m. Now, in Tallahassee, you could definitely go out and find a part if you wanted to. But a lot of times you were kind of exhausted, just like just done. And I know a lot of people have to drive home after the game. Like you might have young kids. So I don't know. For me, 3.30 is the sweet spot from every perspective. I just think it's the best time. You know, you can have plenty of time to tailgate if you're a fan. You can watch the, the, the games after, the primetime games that are after some other college football games. I just thought 3.30 was the best time out there. I, I think you're right, man. I, I, like I, I said on Twitter we would debate this, but I, I do think, especially if you're in the Eastern time zone, now if you're out West or, or something like that, then, then that's that's a different conversation in, entirely. I actually think the mountain time zone is the best time zone to watch games in. Yeah. You know, because like you're you're getting up, like you don't have to get up and watch an 8 a.m. game, but you can watch a 10 a.m. game and you can watch a 1.30 game and, and it, you know, but – 3.30 from a fan experience is is pretty ideal, I think, for for most people uh, because a lot of the spots in the stadium are going to be shaded, at least in the second half, which, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the orientation of your stadium, the, the two I go to most often be Tallahassee and, and Baton Rouge. And those, if, if, if you're on the eastern uh, seats, you are going to get fried uh, in, in, in those stands. If you're on, you know, if you're on the booster side, uh, you know, you get a little shade there. That, that definitely plays into it a lot. Um, for a 3.30 game, if you live, all right, two-hour drive home and, and under. So 
if you live in Birmingham and you're going to see a game in Tuscaloosa, if you had a three thirty kick, and I know they're two thirty, so let's let's kind of or let's just use Athens, Athens to yeah, where like the south side of Atlanta or something like that to, to yep. simulate a you know two hour with the traffic stuff. Are you you're going home that same night, right? And so the kids are like three thirty. You're probably leaving the stadium at seven thirty. If you pack up the tailgate before, it means you're you're on the road by eight, so you're home by ten. Like that's a pretty ideal commute, and you can also commute there the morning of. I think as long as you're not coming from more than like two hours away, uh, noon almost was, necessitates a hotel. That was a big response where people were like cost because you don't get extorted by the local college town hotels that are charging three or four times what they charge, you know, right Tonight now, minimum. Yeah. you know, like that's like, and so like, or a lot of people, cause cost, you know, college, you know, the ten, attendance at games has been down. And I think the number one thing I think people have complained about is cost, how expensive things are getting, you know, ticket prices are up because they've built on you, but adding in these additions and, you know, they've got, everything has a new, you know, they want to add new and it's food is expensive. So if you can cut a major cost in lodging and not have to stay there, 3.30 is the perfect time. Cause you could, you could come in the day, the, the day of, you could get there plenty of time, leave your house at nine you get there at 11 or 12, start tailgate and go to the game. And like you said, you're home at 1030, back in bed, but and, and you saved a boatload of money. So I think that 330 window is, is the sweet spot. Here's what I was probably most surprised by the poll that I put out there. And it's got pretty good traction. Like there were a lot of college football people that chimed in on it. 330 is the number one spot. Uh, 64% preferred, you know, was the optimal kickoff time in college football. I would have guessed, now just this would have been a guess before this poll, that the primetime window would have been second. Like nobody wants to wake Hmm. up early. You know, that would have been the second spot, but it was not. Noon kickoff came in second with 20% of the vote. And then eight o'clock primetime game for college football, just 16%. So I was a little bit surprised that noon took precedence over the eight o'clock window. Danny, did, did you word this as attend a college football game or view? I'm I said, is this only for people I left who are it going? a little vague. I said, what is the optimal kickoff time for college football? And so a lot of people chimed in and said, if I'm going uh, noon, if I'm watching on TV, eight. Like there were a lot of responses yeah. that would have like what you asked, like differentiate between attending and watching on TV. Because I do think if you're going to watch a game, absolutely prime time you have drinks you can have a party you can have a get together you know the game's over you turn it off and you go to bed like i think there's a lot of attraction to that one but i just left it kind of open to see what people would say and a lot of people did chime on that a lot of people chimed in too saying i've changed like it like when you're in college student it might have been 3 30 or 8 but as a parent or as an adult it's changed to noon. So I thought that was a pretty interesting response from a lot of people saying it all depends on what point of life you're in when you're asking that question. That is uh, that is 100% true. As somebody who just <laughs> took a 6 a.m. flight with two kids under two years old, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I can't be staying out super late anymore. I, from a media perspective, and this is really probably relevant to about seven listeners we have, uh, I can't tailgate all day because like I – you know, I think you can have a couple pops and, and and still go up and 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 do your job. Like you're covering college football, right? Like it's if you know what you're watching, you know what you're watching. Uh, but I can't tailgate for seven or eight hours and then go into the game because you're like, especially in a lot of the the warmer weather <laughs> climates, you're sweaty as hell, and 
Um, you know, like you, you can't be looking all, all, all disheveled. But for the 330 games, you can actually, as long as you don't go out too hard on Friday, you can get up, you can play 18, get back to the hotel, mm. shower. You can get like two hours of tailgating in and then hop into the game. Like that's, mm. yeah. I'm I jealous like of SEC guys, though. Have you seen the, like, the SEC kickoff times? That 5 o'clock time on the SEC, that's pretty well, good, man. That was a, that was a popular write-in vote. Uh, yeah. I know our Josh Pate had said, I think he's been on that Peter Burns, the SEC network. He said 6 p.m. is the best time. Now, if you, that, as a, I just did not, I should have put it on there because I think that might have won. If There's not enough it of them. There. It's not mainstream enough to be a real option. But wouldn't you say there's an opportunity there? Like if you created it that like, let's say one of these, you know, streaming players, which I don't know if it's a realistic option anyway, or let's say the Pac-12, like they wanted to become relevant again, right? Like they, they're dry and they tried the 930 kick, which I think was the dumbest idea. Local, 9 a.m. local <laughs> kick, I think was the dumbest idea I've heard. But if hey, they man. were saying that they were trying to create a niche, let's say, why not go for that sweet spot, the 6 p.m.? Where and maybe you don't like at the start of the game, you don't get that many because the three thirty games will be winding down. But if there's a blowout, if you have an attractive one, then people tune in and they might stay with you until the end of your game while the primetime game is kicking off. You know, I thought that was a because I do think that six p.m. window is a really sweet spot weather perspective. It's cooled off. Uh, you have plenty of time to tailgate. It doesn't get home astronomically late like at midnight where it's too late to drive home. You could also, you know, you just you could tail, tailgate a little bit after the game if you wanted to do that, have a party. So I that six o'clock right in vote might have been one of my favorite ideas. Yeah, what one one hundred percent? I I don't know where I think I'm noon over eight for the most part. Except like if it's a really really big game, I do feel like it needs to get that that night game treatment. You know, all, all eyes on the set, the yeah, the build up all day. Uh, I tend to think you have less of a chance of at least where we live of, of actually having rain in the evening you know mm. uh so or if you had maybe the field is, is dried out a little but bit. how many times like i think too i think you don't take into consideration the students when you do a noon kick or an 11 a.m you know because i know for me i wasn't getting out of bed like it was it's a struggle in college to get out of bed before you know nine ten o'clock the only way i was doing it is if i had class and if i had an 8 a.m class it was 50 50 whether i was gonna and you know whether i was gonna make it to that class Good luck trying to get college kids to fill up and be ready to go, well lubricated by that. No, they'll they'll do their job. They'll get ready. But how many times have we referenced a sleepy noon kickoff because it, the stadium's not going to be full yet? Yeah, the band is playing, but you know if you got Chief Osceola out there and Renegade, it's just not quite the same. If the student section isn't jam packed or they're dotting the eye. It just the students are gonna lag a little bit with that early ones because you know they've had a great night out Friday night. Right. They've been out till two, three a.m. They want to sleep in and they can do it. I just don't think it's optimal. I think we don't think about the students then, which are probably the last people that anybody thinks about anyway. But from a crowd standpoint, like those are usually the loudest fans at the game. So I think that's why I think that that noon kickoff, those games are just a little bit um, sleepy because of that because the students are literally sleeping. <laughs> you're making an argument here for having big pledge classes, right? <laughs> yeah. ha have, having those pledges set up the tailgate, you roll up there as, as, as an upperclassman. All right, give, give me my, give me my bloody Mary. Okay. I'm gonna have one or two of these. I'm gonna walk over to the game. I'm gonna be out there on time. And then like, like I'm really doing most of the tailgating. If I'm a college student post, by the way, 
I don't know the name of the business. Incredible idea. Have you seen those companies that set up the tailgate for you? I was in yes, Austin. Yes, we had that at Bama when I was in law school there. And I was like, why hasn't this come to Florida State yet? It's right. Really, I, they yeah. need to get it. It should be franchise. They have, they have it there it, now. It should be exploding across the country because they, they set up and they have, it's all tailored. Just like if you have eight people, they bring up the right tent size. They set up your TV. They get the right amount of food. It's all waiting for you. Show up, you start eating and drinking and you're ready. If you have a massive party of 40, they'll have a tent for that. Multiple TVs, bar, like it's all set up. It is so nice. Like I just, I can't believe that thing hasn't, and I'm sure it probably has taken off, but what a fantastic idea. I think you got to have um, – it's it has to be in the right spots on campus. So at Bama, they had it on like all over the quad. It just made mm-hmm. perfect sense, right? Like you park right. elsewhere, you'd walk up. The walk's not so bad when you're not hauling a ton of stuff. Or you'd pull up, drop your stuff off, and then go go park elsewhere. So you didn't have as many folks you know, parking on the quad there. At, uh, at FSU, they do it sort of outside the baseball stadium. Um, and I they, you guess you could do it on the, on the IM fields. There's a little bit in, in the weeds for a – for a national pod. However, I will say, uh, public service announcement. If you see one of these tents blow over and rip and rip a little bit, as I saw, remember we were talking about how windy the FSU spring game was? Yeah. Don't just go up to it. Like, that's actually really probably pretty dangerous. Like, all these drunk people are like, oh, look at this tent. Like, I don't want to be the one that catches a pole, which is basically being dragged by an enormous sail to the head, right? Like, that's, yeah. yeah it's like, get the, what are you going to do? Pull, you you, you go pull out your spider code and just, and just slash this thing and, Oh gosh! Uh, I did yeah. not know the good good heads up though. I didn't know that. I would have been up there like, oh let's yeah. I, I, it, I, it, it did kind of jerk around a whole. I was like, okay, this is yeah. They should yeah. have secured this thing a little better. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul. The designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch athletics at newbalance.com robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary ai to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting technology marketing and creative legal and administrative and customer support at Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The other thing we really wanted to talk about today, and we'll probably talk uh, talk a little, uh, little maybe comment section questions here. Appreciate everybody watching us live on YouTube. Like and subscribe on YouTube is the move. And uh, we didn't really tweet this out a whole lot today. So most of the p- folks who, who got here early are subscribers. And sometimes we just go live uh, you know, without a whole lot of things, kind of a little appreciation to our, our subs, mainly because Danny and I figured out if we're going to do the show like literally yesterday. <laughs> so uh, talking about pods and different scheduling models, uh, you know, maybe a decade ago, Jim Delaney and those guys for the Big Ten got the rule passed that you had to have divisions if you wanted to play a conference title game unless you, and then the rule was modified unless you wanted to play a round robin like the Big 12 did because you didn't have enough teams to have divisional play. But now it seems like uh, nobody's really wanting to hold hard and fast to that rule. And since it's getting eliminated, uh, you're seeing a lot of leagues talk about how are we going to do scheduling going forward? The ACC 
almost certainly is going to go to pods or uh, you know something close to pods, I would say. Um, and the SEC, they have their meetings coming up, uh, I believe in June, right, in Destin. Uh, and there'll be a lot of discussions about that, namely like who gets to play Vanderbilt, sorry, Bart, uh, on an <laughs> annual basis. And the Big Ten uh, could also be looking at going to some sort of different scheduling model. And, and the main reason for this, I, well, I think there's a couple. It's business. Uh, ESPN, ABC, CBS, they all want to, Fox, they all want to have better quality conference championship games. And on the conference side, they like that. They want to make more money with those conference title games. But they also don't want to have some seven-win team you know, have, have, have a great day and steal their bid. So they want to get their two best teams in that conference title game as often as possible. And going to this and eliminating divisions and basically just having the two top teams go, even though it pretty likely uh, could produce a rematch result, uh, it's still going to create a better quality game for the fans, which has been an issue a lot of times, right? I mean, how often does Ohio State-Michigan feel like the Big Ten championship game? Mm -hmm. And then we go, we play the Ohio State-Wisconsin game. It's like, all right, how plucky will Wisconsin be this year? Can it hang around for 10 minutes or 25 minutes or you know, maybe 35? And then all of a sudden. 56 you know, nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Zero minutes. Right. right. Um, where do you want to – is there a, kind of an overall thing you want to start with this or is there a league you want to discuss first? What, what are your kind of – No, I just think – and I've seen, I've seen some of the ideas that are out there. You know, people have guessed at what it would look like when Oklahoma – that's kind of what started it, right? Oklahoma, Texas to the SEC. Well, what do they do? Are they going to do it? And then all of a sudden this pod system was kind of floated out there. Um, and then I saw some people talking about the ACC, looking at hypotheticals. I think the number one priority – would have to be you have to preserve the traditional rivalries, right? You have to you have to maintain so that you don't lose, um, you know, um, a. I'm trying to think of one at Florida State, Miami. That's perfect. Right. Like you don't want to lose that, so you have to make sure those teams play every year in that. Uh, uh, make sure they're in the same pod. I also think one of the things that really is something I think should be prioritized as well is that every four years you played at least everybody once. Uh, you know, from a player standpoint too, I think that's like you you want to be able to say you played at every place. And if fans want to travel and see different stadiums, different environments, tailgate at different, and what's the tailgate scene like, I think that should be a priority too. Other than that, like I, I, I'm a huge fan of doing it away with divisions. Um, I don't want to see Clemson play no offense to Duke, but I think that was one of the years and Clemson actually, or Duke gave him a pretty good run, but like there was a year, I think Duke was seven and five and played Clemson in the championship game. I think oh, he played and, FSU. Yeah. I mean, there's, and there's then been, Clemson played, was it a Georgia tech team? They just crushed. I think. Yeah. There, so there have been some lopsided matchups because of the divisions that are there. So I'm a massive fan of that. The pods thing. I don't get too fired up on. I'm just like, tell me what they're going to be and make sure that we don't lose these rivalries. That's kind of been my mentality with it. And I also yeah. think the not like I'm more interested in the bigger, like let's make sure everyone's playing nine power five teams. Let's make sure, you know, let's or even 10. Like if you want to go 10, I'd love that. Those are kind of the things. When I look at the pods, I'm like, yeah, they're interesting. Let's make sure we prefer, preserve the rivalries. And I think maybe there's a possibility to create some new ones. You know, I saw Andrea Adelson from ESPN. She put out a pod and she had uh, you know, Florida State's three consistent, you know, teams that were gonna be were gonna be Miami. Um, uh, Clemson and Georgia Tech. I think mean, it's like that's great. Like I love those because Georgia Tech used to be a nice little rivalry with Florida State. We had some fun matchups with them. 
It's Miami also the most drivable team. game for them. Yes. So like that's huge. And like those types of decisions need to consider all of that um, for fans that like to travel and kind of for some of those traditional rivalries to continue. I, Dan, I think you, the point you brought up about making sure you play every team uh, at least once in four years is is a really important one. Um, for instance, A&M, they joined the SEC in 12, was it, I think? Yeah, I think it's it's been 10 years, I think. You know, Georgia has not made it down to College Station yet. Hmm. A&M's gone to Georgia, but right. Georgia has not made the return trip yet. Right. This will be the 11th year they've been in the league. Right. And still not scheduled to do it. Like, that's that's kind of crazy to me. At, at, at that point, when you get to 14 teams and 16 and 18 teams, you don't really have a conference. You more have like a scheduling agreement, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's going to be – I don't think the ACC is going to be that hard in terms of keeping most schools happy because the ACC is so new in terms of the the additions uh, that there's not like, I don't think there's any team in ACC that, that considers they have four rivals. I mean, I, I was struggling to come up with like really good ones myself. Like when I was thinking, I was like Florida state Miami is easy, but dive past that. And it's like, there's some good rivals like Duke, uh, you know, UNC, it's a good rival, and I think you should maintain that. And then the, the 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 triangle there, I think it's important to maintain those. But it's not like those are long-standing college football traditional rivals. L- Louisville actually would be a tougher one to figure out because, like, assuming you want to try to match up all the triangle teams against each other in in some former fashion, uh, who are you going to give Louisville? Like, that's uh, like are they going to play UVA and Tech or something like that? I I don't know. Uh, was it but, Wake? Was that Wake Forest with the stealing scandal? Wasn't that? <laughs> uh, yes, it was. Yeah, maybe create that one again. <laughs> um, now, the on the other hand, the SEC is going to create a lot of hollering because mm-hmm. uh, for well, competitive balance reasons, I'm sure some people will complain about. But those are going to quickly give way, I think, to the TV ratings. ESPN is going to be like, we're paying you how much money for, for all this stuff? We're going to get our best teams to play each other pretty much all the time. It's just the exact same thing. like. Would Florida State and Clemson really want to play each other? It kind of adds an extra half loss, you know, per year to whichever team is good at the time. Recently, right. it's been Clemson, and usually those games are, are kind of blowouts uh, in in either direction. But in the SEC, you have a lot of sort of one sided rivalries, like uh, games where one fan base thinks it's a rivalry, and the other fan base is like, eh, whatever. Like, you know, Bama, Arkansas. Yeah. Right. Arkansas is like, oh, we're a thorn in Bama's side. And I'm not saying Arkansas is fair. It's been everybody. No offense, Jordan, but Bama, Tennessee, like for the cigar game, like hadn't been close, but it's a great rivalry and you don't want to lose it. But it's a tricky one. Auburn is by far the trickiest one here because in the 80s, Auburn, Tennessee was always a big rivalry. In the 90s, Auburn, Florida was always a big rivalry. And that went away uh, after the SEC title game somewhat. uh, And then even more away when you added. Texas A&M and Missouri. But if you're Auburn, okay, like the one you're definitely preserving is Bama. Iron Bowl. All right. Then you have the Deep South's oldest rivalry, which is Auburn-Georgia. So you're keeping that one, I assume. All right. Then you got, assuming we only have three protected games here, are you giving them LSU, Tennessee, Florida? Or, I mean, if you're Auburn, do you want that? I, right, because like, then you're how, you talk about a gauntlet. You how big a rival do you really feel these teams are, or do you all of a sudden have a little little, little kindred rivalry with uh, with Vandy? Yeah, you definitely. Right, because I mean, you're you're 
Absolutely, because it comp- and that's where. But I do, do you like look? We were talking about Alabama, Tennessee, kind of laughing about it. I mean, there was a time when Tennessee was a powerhouse, and like, do you trust the cyclical nature of college football, or do you try to do it where things stand right now? You know, I mean, it I, depends. Like, is Bama going to treat the post Saban hiring cycle like they did with Bear Bryant, and they just like try to hire anybody who ever knew Nick Saban? Like, right. if so, then yeah, I, I think it'll it'll even out. If not, then you know, they have Jordan, resources. by the way, is chiming in said, "Who cares about the Bama Tennessee rival? He wants to do away with it so they can dodge him every year." Which is probably the smart thing to do as well. So, I mean, Tennessee, Georgia is a rivalry that I think, I think Georgia fans would like to keep. I think Tennessee fans would absolutely insist on keeping. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, Florida, I think is one that you would want to keep just because Florida, over the last Florida, like, Florida Georgia, you got to keep. Stays. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably I mean, like they're at the priority ranking. It's got to be Iron Bowl, it's got to be Florida, Georgia, uh, Alabama, LSU. See, that's one that's like, it's it's a recent rivalry. Though. Right. Like, it wasn't anything in the 90s. It really wasn't anything in, like, the, you know, the the aughts. It's just, like, the last, when like, the last 10 years. Right. Basically. When it was kind of the game of the year. Which, if yeah. you lost, like, you'd replace it with something else easily. Right. And then you schedule them every, then I think there is an aspect of it. If it's not a longstanding historical rival, rivalry, when you do come back to it, man, it adds a lot of juice to it. I agree. You know, uh, some of these are more difficult to figure out. Egg I mean, Bowl, that's a good one. Jordan said, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's one I think you have to like the, the state rivals. I think you have to maintain those. We need Texas and A&M, a- a- right? Oh, yeah. Like what we, we let you in. A- we let you in Texas. We let you in A&M. Right. You guys are playing. Absolutely. You got to do what's best for the conference at that point. Oklahoma, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas. Oklahoma. Yeah, who's the other one? And But again, do you throw them a, a, a I don't want to say a cakewalk because there aren't many cakewalks in there. I don't think, but, if you're getting Texas and Arkansas for Oklahoma, I don't think you like you need a cakewalk. Like that's probably the, the fifth best and 12th best team in that league. Like yeah, Auburn needs a cakewalk. I mean, I, I, I might give yeah. Oklahoma like, <laughs> I don't I guess, do we count Kentucky as a cakewalk? Probably not. I mean, Historically, yes. Currently, probably no. Uh, but I, I still think that would be considered an easier out of these opponents. You know, Mississippi State, I still think would be considered an easier opponent. I know that, and then oh, both sure. of them had great years, but and I think what what do you do with Ole Miss? I mean, I think they're historically, it depends on what part of history you're talking about, but they've, I would say, be an easier opponent. I know they're coming off an incredible season. Um, but I, I just egg bowl, LSU, and for Ole Miss. I think so. Yeah. And who else? I don't know. Like there's so there's this is another one. Like LSU Arkansas is traditionally a day after Thanksgiving game mm-hmm. for most of our lifetimes. Yeah. Um do you keep that? Like this is some really there's gonna be some horse trading going on yeah. in, in in Destin, man. <laughs> yeah, they are. I love this. I mean, do you go you put Vandy with Old Miss? Like they they're they're their annual rival right now, but I mean that feels like one of those forest rivals. Vandy, Tennessee, but then you take away from one of Tennessee, like just as is a Is Jordan regional? arguing for Vandy, Tennessee? <laughs> I don't know, but I would <laughs> if I was him. But, I mean, there are some of these. like do you OU, do Missouri regional? could work. He is right about that. They used to be conference opponents. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's, it's, a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a breather. As well, but, I mean, 
Shoot, when they came in, they made back-to-back championship games. That's why I wonder if you just, like at some point, Greg Sankey's got to say, look, we're, we're, we're rolling with this. You guys can complain and you guys will forget about this in two years, you know? Although yeah. they won't forget about it ever. It depends on like how, how we're even determining a national champion. Who knows how that'll be, you know? Right, exactly. Well, I, who do you think is the big, the big winner in this? SEC was, and, or is there an obvious? Well, like Missouri, what about Mizzou? Like, who do you pair with Mizzou? Like, they, I think some of these programs, like a Mizzou, might be the big winner because, you know, like it's just who are you going to pair them with? Kentucky, South South Carolina might be a big. Like, who do you pair South Carolina with? So some of these teams that don't have, you know, in-state long-held rivalries and you kind of get the leftovers of the regular season matchups. See, this is a perfect one, Denny. Exactly. This encapsulates the one fan base thinks it's a rivalry. The other fan base does not more than almost any school out there. South Carolina, Florida is not a rivalry for Florida. It is for South Carolina. South Carolina, Tennessee, I don't really think is a rivalry for Tennessee. It probably is for South Carolina. South Carolina, Georgia, same thing. Georgia fans don't consider South Carolina a rival. They consider them like an occasional annoyance, you know. So South Carolina's gonna be like, we want this team, we want that team. What might end up happening is like you give Georgia Auburn, you give Georgia Florida, and you give Georgia South Carolina because South Carolina needs to feel like they have a rival, and Georgia's like, we want a breather. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and then you keep Tennessee, Florida. Do you stick Florida with L- with LSU, Georgia, Tennessee? Like that's kind of tough. Kinda. I mean, assuming Tennessee can get its act together for like. Yeah, but they're trending in the right direction. And there was a time when, you know, I mean, Tennessee was, again, like you go back 20 years, Tennessee was good. Like it's not there. They got this collective going. They want to be bad. Tennessee wants to be good. Like they're not screwing around. They got the want to. They got the desire. Now they got the finances. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think the, the biggest losers are like. It's probably like a South Carolina, Missouri, because they're not getting like the chance that they get to play like Kentucky. It, like every year, Missouri gets Vandy, Kentucky, South Carolina, and the reverse for South Carolina. Like now, the chance that they get to play like three of the bottom five every year is is reduced. Isn't there? Is there any doubt that even when we're discussing these pods, the schedules will get harder in the SEC? Because if you've been an East team. You've you've had and you get lucky on the crossover games like you can get you can like because I mean even Georgia's schedule last year I mean Georgia's schedule this year it doesn't look like it's that much of a gauntlet but all of a sudden you know if you start creating and pairing some of these East teams like you're not going to be able to dodge some of these teams in the West I think I don't know I think it'll be interesting because I think the t- the schedule that we always thought was tough is going to get even tougher if they go to pods. I think you're right. Like, like on average, the East teams will have tougher schedules, and like the West teams, like Auburn could have a much easier schedule on average. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some years in which Auburn has to play Georgia, Bama, LSU, Ole Miss, A and M, and then Florida. Right, like that's kind of tough for the Tigers. You can be a really good team, like like you could be a top fifteen power rated team and go seven and five. Mm-hmm. Which is a couple couple bad breaks there, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that is really tough. Chat section here saying uh, the live commenters. If the SEC kept divisions, you would have to send Bama and Auburn to the East. Would be really uneven. Yeah, I don't think they're going to keep divisions at this point. Like no. they're not going to have nine team divisions. That would be 
that'd be kind of crazy. Right. Um, I mean, I, it's I, almost a definite. And then we're doing away with divisions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think the Big Ten is not the most contentious one, but maybe the most interesting one. Right. Like if you're a Rutgers fan or a Maryland fan, you got to love this. Yeah. Maryland can do everything right. And what's the best they're going to finish? Tied for third in that division? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, and in the Big Ten West, a lot of those teams have stayed in the consciousness simply because they don't have to play very many of these East teams. <laughs> right. Know? And the schedule's kind of, it's not a cakewalk, but it's just, it's if you play well, there's just not teams, bless you, by the way, that uh, if you play well, there's not like teams that are going to beat you if you're playing your A game. Now, mm-hmm. you're gonna, like, you can play your A game and lose. Mm-hmm. And that's as currently set up. If you're a good West team and you play your A game, you're not losing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're Ohio State, you're, you want to keep Michigan. That seems pretty obvious. Do you keep Penn State or Michigan State? I would say those top three. But then is that a like you talk about the competitive balance? Right. And three of the toughest. Like that's been all we've talked about is the strength of the Big Ten East. How do you break that up? Like you, you don't want to keep then it'll be just we'll be talking about that pod the whole time, you know. Right. Like and you want to try to break that up. So I don't know if it was if it was because Michigan's a lock, you have to keep that one. The game. Then what? I think it's probably <laughs> Penn State. Yeah. Like Michigan State, Ohio State, I think is much more of a rivalry for Michigan State than it is for the Buckeyes. Like, do you? Uh, if I, if I, asked, I was doing Buckeye a, fans don't consider them a rival. I I was doing a pregame. I was doing the pregame studio on ESPN, and we were leading into that game. And I said some comment like, I "said most of these Michigan State players, they probably wish they could have gone to Ohio State, and you know they, and then they went to Michigan State, so they got a chip on their shoulder." And you would have thought I offend. I mean, you would have thought I said something so bad about it. They're like, what do you mean they couldn't go to Ohio State? These players chose Michigan State over Ohio State. And I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Are you sure about that? I mean, but they, that's to your point. Michigan State fans 100% think it's a rivalry with Ohio State. But in reality, it's not that close. I, I You really, in the Big Ten, you honestly, I think, in the East, you could pretty easily get away with just having two protected games a year and then rotate everybody else. You play yeah. everybody else a lot more often. In the West, it is difficult because you have all these ridi- – not ridiculous – all these very fun, interesting trophies that I always seem to forget yes. about. But, like, wh- which Big Ten West game does not feature a trophy, you know? Right. Um, I guess Northwestern is not totally in on the trophy game stuff, but I mean, the- Illinois has random tro- – this is where we need Tom for this, but um, – yeah. I mean, I'd have to look up all the names of them. Michigan, Minnesota is traditionally a game. So like maybe, but you're going to give Michigan, Ohio State, and you're going to give Michigan, Michigan State. So Michigan, Minnesota is a game. I think that they play for an axe or something like that, (laughs) I think. Or maybe that's Wisconsin. I I always forget all the games. I apologize. Uh, Although if you give... Uh, Alex, well, we have an actual Illinois fan in the, ch- in the chat here. Alex says, uh, You got the bronze pig. I'm looking at <laughs> there's nice. a, a lot of them here are on there. The Purdue Cannon, Illinois versus they have a trophy for everything. That's Old what I'm Brass, saying. Old Brass Spittoon, Indiana, Michigan State. Uh, this is a real one. Five dollar bits of broken chair trophy, Minnesota, Nebraska. Uh, these are all, even off the rails. I didn't even know some of these were out there. George Jewett Trophy, Michigan, Northwestern. Heartland Trophy, Iowa, Wisconsin, 
Paul Bunyan Trophy, Michigan State, Michigan. Note about that one. Uh, the Floyd of Rosedale, like the, every single game in the Big Ten has a trophy for it and name. But that, I, at that point, you got to just be like, all right, you just don't etch it in there every year. You do it every four years or whatever. It comes around and you go back to that. Well, it just means more for that time you play them. So what if we did this? The head coaches impromptu at the coach meetings, we give them a little, a little, little quiz. If you can't uh-huh. name the trophy for that game, it doesn't continue. For the school you poach, yeah, yeah, exactly. Great and idea. Then, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> we work in the sport and we can't. Yeah, uh, we 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 really can't do it. Um, no doubt. But if you go two, and they have a fourteen team league, I, I mean that really you're playing every team every three years. Mm-hmm. That's pretty nice. Yeah. It's great. I, I don't know. I, I I seem to like that one. Let yeah. us know in the comments section if we and, and uh, we may be on tomorrow taking a little like live mailbag stuff. We'll see how the schedules work out. If we do, it'll be 11 a.m. like uh, like we normally do on Thursday. Let us know in the comment section if there's any games or rivalries that we that we missed, and uh, also let us know what team you root for when you put that down, so we can see if it's a rivalry that's like actually a rivalry or just a rivalry in your own mind. Uh, so kind of column A, little column B here. Danny, man, enjoyed b- being back live. It's fun. Feels good to be back live. I cannot wait. I'm so ready. This is the time of the year where you're like, just give us games already. What do we have? 13 exactly. weeks? I saw somebody. Th- how many Saturdays we have? We're getting close. 13 Saturdays, man. Nice. All right, buddy. Enjoyed it. I uh, will see you tomorrow, maybe. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.